quite unusual. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Quite Unusual Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And we'd like to welcome you to the podcast that tells you a creepy story, sometimes 100% true, sometimes no one knows if it's true, but regardless, it's always quite unusual. This week's topic, and one that I've just been dying to do, is Amityville. Amityville. I'm fucking pumped, babe. <laughs> and this is round two of, of Amityville. We tried oh, to record before, but we just got a mixer. So we just got a mixer. It's very cute. I think we're, we're legit now. So I think we might be too legit, too quiet. You guys couldn't see it, but I did the hand motions. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the second time we are recording this. We straight up didn't put an episode out last week because it just, it felt overwhelming. Yeah. A lot of technicality. Yeah. Technical difficulties. We recorded, it was two hours long. Um, So we're actually going to split this into a Mm two-parter. So the first part, we're going to talk about sort of like the families that live there and the history of the house. And then the next part, which will come out next week, will be like a sort of conclusion and just to kind of wrap things up. Yeah, controversies and whatnot. Yeah. So, should we get into it? I think maybe just, we should. Just jump right in. Just jump in. Rip the band-aid like, off. And, oh, oh my God, that hurts. I just got like, <laughs> ugh, gag reflux. Don't talk about band-aids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. All right. So, I think maybe we should start with like a little history of the area and the house. Yes. Agreed. Okay. All right, I think it's pretty important. So, let's start there. Amityville is located on Long Island, for those of you that do not know. I did not know. You didn't? No, I knew it was in New York, but I didn't know it was, like, on Long Island. Oh. So, I don't know, I guess. Whatever. (laughs) But anyways, so it was originally settled in the mid-1600s. The original inhabitants were the Native American Montauk people, which is like sort of a type of Algonquin Native American. Mm-hmm. The famous house of this story is not the original house on this plot, which I thought was sort of interesting. Um, a house was built there about 100 years earlier, but they actually took it like off of the foundation and moved it to another location to build the Amityville house there on that plot. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that one was built about 100 years ago now, which was in 1927. A few years ago, the five-bedroom, three-bathroom, ten-ghost house (laughs) was for sale for almost a million dollars, which I feel like is pretty reasonable, seeing as how it comes with like a free lifetime supply of nightmares and a waterfront view. I mean, the house itself is drop-dead gorgeous. It's amazing. I would live there even knowing everything that I know about it. <laughs> oh my God. I absolutely would too. And if you guys aren't psychos like Nicole and I and just like hang out on Redfin for yeah. fun, mm-hmm. highly recommend looking at some interiors of this one because it's mm. just like beautiful dark wood and like <sighs> hardwood floors. Oh my God. I have goosebumps because <laughs> you just said hardwood floors. <laughs> Later on, we're going to talk about how there's a rumor that the house was built on Native, like, American burial ground. Mm. So that's sort of important. A little poltergeisty. That's right. we're getting here. Poltergeist me, Captain. <laughs> so we'll talk about that later. And I just wanted to bring up, which I think was super fun, is that, do you know what the word amity means? Um, I don't think I do. It basically means, like, friendship. So it's like, this is like the town of friendship. Oh, which is really cute. Friendship and murders. Maybe the ghosts were just trying to be friends. Mm, I don't know about that, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. It's fine. I think it's nice, and I just I want to believe. You know. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the first family that lived there. They are called the DeFeos, which if you haven't seen the second, right, isn't it in the second one? The second Amityville, they talk about the DeFeos. Yeah, it's all about the DeFeos. Yeah. The movie for you guys. Yes, yeah. If you haven't seen like the sequels to these movies, Mm -hmm. 
that's where they bring in this family. The first ones, they're about the Lutzes, which we will talk about yeah. later. The first one's arguably the best. The second one's okay. The rest of them kind of suck. Yeah. There's uh, 16 of these movies. Wow. Okay. So um, <laughs> if you guys have like, I don't know, a long weekend that you just want to zone out and think about Amityville Horror. Quarantine highly, binge. Yeah. We're still there. So mm. highly recommend watching 16 billion Shows that have to do with Amityville. <laughs> so let's get into the DeFeo family. The first family we're going to talk about, their names are Louise and Ronald, or Big Ronnie DeFeo, which we're going to call him Big Ron. Okay. Big Ronnie, Big R, uh, Biggity Ron Ron. Ron Biggity? Ooh. Biggity Ron Ron Ron, Ron Biggity. <laughs> I think that's what his mom called him. Yeah, totally. I think so. So Louise DeFeo, she was a beautiful and like aspiring model and Big Ron, by all accounts, was a very handsome sort of manly man by 60s, 50s standards. I picture him as like the Tony Soprano of this story, but if Tony Soprano were like in the 60s, you know? Right. Like if Tony Soprano and like Don Draper had a baby. Mm, It would be Big Ron DeFeo. Big Ron. What do we call him? Biggity Ron Ron. (laughs) Ron Biggity. There it is. Yeah. So the couple got married quickly after they met because they were both like beefcakes, like hotties. So how do you Mm. not, right? Mm. Louise's parents absolutely hated Big Ron. Oh, no. Yeah, super sad. And they cut all ties with the couple after Louise announced that she was pregnant with his child, their first kid, who they will name Ron Ronald DeFeo Jr., Mm. So that was in 1951. Um, the couple would go on to have five children together in total. So like I said, Big Ron, he was abusive. Mm. Mentally, physically, just sort of, honestly, kind of a giant dick. Mm. He was especially abusive to their firstborn child, which was named after him, Ronald, quote unquote, Butch DeFeo Jr. I think just going forward, we should call him Butch. Yeah, just avoid confusion. Yeah, okay. So, a quote I saw from Louise's brother regarding how awful Big Ron was to Butch. Okay, so this is when Butch was two years old, and I quote, We were all sitting down in the basement watching TV, and I don't know. The boy had done something. All of a sudden, he stood up, the father, and just pushed the boy in, like, way into the wall. The boy banged his head or part of his shoulder or something. Ah. So Big Ron was kind of a dick, like I said. Just just yeah. a nightmare. See, that's how they portray him in the second Amityville movie, too. He's super... Actually, if anyone's seen the Rocky movies, um, <laughs> if you want to picture Big Ron, uh, the dad, he is... Polly in the Rocky movies plays <laughs> <Adrian>. Ronald. <laughs> yeah. He plays Ronald DeFeo in the movie, but he is portrayed as being abusive to pretty much the whole family, but especially Ronnie or Butch, as we're calling him. Right. So that's super sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he threw a two-year-old boy into Ugh, the wall. That's disgusting. What is a two-year-old weigh? Like 35 pounds? Yeah. And what could a two-year-old possibly do to worry right, that? that's not okay. Just so sad. So actually in 1962, after the birth of their fourth child, Louise decided that she just had enough of this awful man and she left him. I wasn't really able to find how long they were separated, but mm-hmm. they did eventually reunite after... Are you Are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. Big Ron... Biggity Ron Ron, Ron Biggity, Mm. wrote a fucking jazz song called The Real Thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, There was a saxophone in it, which is the sexiest instrument. Yeah. I mean, Bill Clinton played one, so it's like, hey. You can't say no to that. You can't. It almost sounds like saxophone, which is sexy. (laughs) Am I right? Totally. (laughs) So he used his... original song the real thing Mm. to win louise back and it worked because after their reunion they had another baby so that brings our offspring count to five okay including with a final son 
Okay. Louise's parents, they were worried about her. And as parents do, if they're wealthy, the way they cared for their daughter and their grandchildren was to help the whole family move out of their Brooklyn apartment and into a spacious house at 112 Ocean Avenue, Mm. which you may know as the Amityville Horror House. I do know. Mm Mm-hmm. Her parents purchased the property for $80,000, which in today's money is about like 65000 ish mm. So pretty good. When they moved in, Big Ron hung up a sign that read, High Hopes in the Yard. Yeah. So um, during my research of this, actually, if you Google the Amityville house, like the real house, you can still see that like you can see that sign on their front lawn it's actually kind of creepy yeah and they showed a lot in the movies and Mm. i just almost feel like it's i don't know it's like a weird omen or something yeah it's super creepy that because i mean who posts signs like that in front of their house i don't know it's just super weird and creepy i think it's very weird especially something so positive when i'm sorry he was like kind of a monster yeah He's a terrible person, for sure. Totally. And Louise's father, he hooked Big Ron up with a pretty sweet job at the car dealership that he owned. And basically, he did everything he could to take care of the family just for the sake of his daughter and her happiness. Mm. As any father would. Right. Shout out to you, Jim. That's my dad. And you too, Big Lair. Oh, Larry and Jim. I can't wait for them to start. Like, what are they going to do? Hunt murderers together? Yeah. Yeah. Dexter Dads. Dexter Dads. <laughs> Dexter Dads coming this fall, starring Jimmy K and Larry L. Yeah. <laughs> See, so what would the tagline of the show be? I don't know. What would their... Their dads, their bads, they're gonna hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I hate it. It's okay. Well, it's already said, so... No, I put it into the universe. <laughs> okay, so I read this... Very strange story about Big Ron, and I thought it was sort of interesting. He had this shrine of Joseph, Jesus's dad, mm-hmm. speaking of dads, mm-hmm. um, out in the yard, and he would talk to it for hours on end. Okay. Yeah, super strange. So one day, he heard a voice speak to him in his head while he was talking to this shrine he made of St. Joseph. Okay, what did the this voice say to him it was very specific the voice told him to hire a priest from canada to perform an exorcism on the house specifically from canada yeah that's what he said okay which i don't know i guess new york is pretty close to canada but still yeah i don't that's weirdly specific so what did big ron do well he called a priest from canada Mm. and the priest of course Charged him tons of money to perform an exorcist on this house, which I saw a couple websites Mm -hmm. said that Louise's parents basically paid for. Of course they did. Of course. So then the priest convinced Big Ron that he had psychic powers. Oh, my God. Okay. And if he paid the priest more money, he would help him unlock these powers. Okay. So I'm questioning the... um what's the word for it validity of this priest um usually usually when you try when you have to perform an exorcism you have to get permission for it do you yeah and i don't i don't know if it's necessarily from directly from the vatican but i know Mm. as a priest you can't just perform an exorcism that's not just something you can you can't just go to houses and be like you're possessed exorcism like that's not a thing that happens so this is seeming a little fishy to me they don't do like a two-for-one like possessed house possessed garage you just pay for the house you get the garage for free yeah no i'm pretty sure you need like permission from the church well i believe you because you are our resident religioso i'm not though i was brought up catholic but i'm not catholic i have been in a church two times one for a catholic <laughs> wedding which i straight up fell asleep in mm, yeah Those sounds all right like fucking two hours long yeah that's why i didn't get married in a church not great, not great. actually in fact fun fact noel 
was the one who married me. It was me. Um, if you go to Noelle Will Marry You from Quite Unusual Podcast.com, you can sign up there. And I am technically a, a minister. She's a minister. She can do it. Technically. Although I prefer the term Miss Dinner because <laughs> I'm a girl. Yeah. Um, so I will come and do your wedding. And I could, should I do exorcisms? You could. I'm, I well, mean, if this priest from Canada did, I'm sure you can. You know what? Email us, quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. I will give you a two for one, your wedding and your exorcism. So <laughs> you call me up, babies. I'm coming over. Nice. Yeah. So after getting back to the actual story that we're talking about here, uh, mm-hmm. Big Ron, after he paid this priest, the priest skipped town, which surprise, surprise. Big Ron was also, just to kind of paint a picture of this man, he was rumored to be part of their local mafia. Mm, yeah, like I've a, heard that. Yeah, like a locally sourced mafia, non-GMO. And he was always just like kind of throwing money around that he didn't have. It seems like Louise's parents kind of financed yeah. the whole family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the family, they were always bailed out by Louise's parents like just more than one time. Mm. Luis was known around her little neighborhood as a really wonderful mother and a deeply, like, just deeply devoted to her children. Just Mm -hmm. a great mom. Another thing I had seen about the family is that all of the children, and Big Ron included, they supposedly were a bit clairvoyant. Hmm. And they had the ability to commune with spirits. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's kind of like he paid that priest to tell him that and he believed it. Yeah. Or if that was true. Well, usually if somebody like if somebody in your family has that ability, I know that it is a thing that is able to be passed down. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense, but I don't know who officially is like the one to be like, you have this power, you know, it's not like a certificate you get. No, No, I don't know about that, but I do know like, it's a, it could be like hereditary, a hereditary thing. Yeah. Or I mean, it could just be like a crazy thing because he was talking to a statue in his yard also. So it's true. You don't know. Who knows? You don't know. Louise supposedly did not have this power. Mm-hmm. And I literally saw on one website and I just, I can't confirm anything. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like that would make some sort of sense. Like if they were able to talk to spirits. Yeah. The family, maybe, I guess, not Louise, but... Especially going with, I mean, what what's going to happen later on in the story. Oh, for <laughs> Definitely sure. Definitely makes some sense. Right. So, speaking of which, mm-hmm. on a cold night in November 1974, the lives of all but one of the DeFeos would be cut short in a very bizarre and very unexplainable fashion. The event was estimated to begin... At 3.15 a.m. And lasts about only 15 minutes on November 13th. So Butch, which, you know, Ron DeFeo Jr., mm-hmm. using a 35 caliber Marlin 336 hunting rifle, killed his mother, his father, and all four of his siblings, aged 9 to 18, while they slept. Wow. Yeah. So Butch... Got ready for work after he murdered his entire family, worked an entire shift, and then went to the bar that he frequented at 6.30 p.m. on that same day. Wow. He burst into the bar and he raced over to his friend Bobby. With hysteria, he shouted, you gotta help me. Bobby recounted in an interview, he said, somebody shot my mother and my father. Bobby, plus five additional bar goers, and Butch, obviously, hurriedly made their way over to the house. The house was walking distance from this bar, but I saw a few places, which just sort of seems important, that Mm -hmm. Butch insisted on driving instead of just walking with the rest of the group. That's interesting. Yeah, and everyone said that he was driving, like, crazy erratically, like, almost hit people, like, running off the road, just being a wild child. Okay. So Bobby burst into the house after Butch told him not to because he was afraid that there was a potential intruder and that they were still there. Mm -hmm. On the second floor of the home, Bobby, who 
Bobby was the first to find the body of Big Ron. He found him face dead in his bed. He was on top of the blankets, wearing only his boxers. Blood that had once dripped from the two bullet holes in his back. Now a dried mess, reeking of death. Under a bright orange blanket, in her pajamas, laid the body of Louise, his mother, also face down, also shot two times. Down the hall from the master bedroom, another bargoer from the bodies of Butch's brothers, John and Mark, each also face down with one bullet hole in their back. Further down the hall, in each of their beds, Butch's sister Allison and Dawn also laying face down, seeing a little pattern here, with a single bullet wound in their backs. It was upon finding their bodies that the police were finally called. The police took Butch into protective custody because it seemed like a mob hit. And Butch also told them it was a mob hit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like the rumor around town was they were in the mob or Big Ron was. And like I said, Tony Soprano. A hundred percent. That's how it seemed. (laughs) Absolutely. So after some police questioning, Butch actually confessed and he stated, and I quote, Once I started, I could not stop. It was just so fast. His lawyers, they pleaded insanity, which you would have to be, right, to kill your only six family members. Right, yeah. Yeah. Especially in the way that it it happened. (laughs) Right. So Butch had claimed that he had been hearing voices that commanded him to kill. Mm -hmm. He said he heard these voices multiple times, not just tonight, not the night of the murder. Mm -hmm. The defense didn't hold up in court, and he was actually convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. Wow. One for each of his family members. See, this is so interesting to me. Just, And I just want to point out, like you said, but I want to reiterate it because every single family member was found shot, and they were face down in their beds. So... Mm -hmm. It also came out that none of them, toxicology, none of them were drugged. So the circumstances just that in and of itself are super weird. Also, he went through the house with a hunting rifle. So you would think that someone would have woken up while he was going through room to room and moved. It's just, it's all very, very, very strange. Super strange. And we'll get into more of like the discrepancies and like stuff like that in episode two, which will be out next week yeah but i want to say i looked up a couple videos Uh of this gun Uh uh-huh oh my god is it loud yeah like it's a fucking hunting rifle right so i don't know like i said we'll get into it but how no one heard insanity yeah so i'm wondering do you feel like butch maybe worked alone I don't, I feel like if he had an accomplice, he totally would have given them up. Right. I don't see why he would not give them up when he was caught. Well, there's a couple of theories here. Like, to me, things just don't really add up in this yeah, story. They don't. So let's get into some alternative theories. Yes. First, I want to bring up, again, how this weapon was discharged a minimum of eight times mm-hmm. at three in the morning No neighbors reported hearing a gunshot. That's insane. Absolutely insane. They said that they heard a dog barking, but no gunshots, which you can, I mean, you can hear a gunshot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, like the week after um, the 4th of July, Mm -hmm. when everyone still has their leftover fireworks? I mean, everyone's doing that currently right now. (laughs) It's June 20th and people are waking me up and scaring my dogs. Right. So if you're waking up to fireworks, you would wake up to a gunshot. Yes. How is that possible? Yeah. I mean, this is impossible. Unless there was some kind of like demonic possession that stifled Mm. the sound. I mean, could a demon or like an evil spirit create some sort of force field around the house and maybe that didn't let sound escape? Maybe. Am I grasping at straws here? I mean, weirder things have happened. So Mm, that's true. Who knows? 
There was a lot of claims that the house was built on Native American burial ground. Yeah. And as we all know from pop culture in America, yes, anything built on burial ground is automatically a haunted house. Right. But I feel like all of America is kind of a burial ground. Cringy. Yeah. It's yeah. not the way that we're here is not on the best of terms. So. No. No. If that's the case, like everywhere should be fucking haunted. Well, everywhere I've ever lived is haunted. So, <laughs> you know, maybe there's some truth to that. Mm, yeah. And according to lore, the Montauk and Algonquin people, mm-hmm. they buried their dead that they believed to be possessed or tortured by evil spirits uh-huh. face down. Whoa. Which, if we remember, is how all of the DeFeos were found in their bed. I have legit goosebumps. Oh, my God. When you said that. You it's, just probably heard my wrist crack when I was looking at. It's true. I see it. I, like, oh, a shiver just went down my spine when you said that. Yeah. So that, to me, is just kind of like yeah, life imitating art yes. situation. Super creepy. This goes along with Butch's claim that voices had been telling him to murder his entire family. Mm-hmm. He said he was tortured by these voices mm-hmm. for weeks and weeks. And although there's no concrete evidence to there ever being a cemetery in Amityville, yeah, I mean, who knows? I have something to point out. Yes. Um, so remember when you said earlier that uh, the father, Ronnie, or Ron. Mm-hmm. Big Ron. He was, he was talking to a statue in the yard that he heard voices <gasps> from. Yes. Oh, I got goosebumps. It's a little bit of uh, synchronicity there. Wow. Because he heard a voice that told him to get a priest from Canada, and then his son heard voices. I just gave myself goosebumps again. Dude. <laughs> his son heard voices telling him to kill his whole family. I feel like that can't be a coincidence. It's very odd. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I never thought of that. Yeah. And I am now obsessed with this idea. It just like, literally, I was like talking to a statue, hearing voices about a priest in Canada, hearing voices about killing family. Whoa. Do you think they ever compared voices? Like what they sound like? Yeah. Like <laughs> what's what's like a Long Island accent? Like, hey, dad. Hey, dad. What does your voice in your head sound like? Do do but no do big run. Shut the fuck up, Butch. Get back to your room. Hey, Dad, I'm walking here. That's the only thing I can say when I think about New York. Well, obviously they didn't have great lines of communication. Yeah, so. I mean we've already established that. Yeah, so so they probably never compared voices. But yeah. I am really. That's so clever. Yeah, I feel like that Weird. probably was the same voice. Just twisting and kind of trying to control like the puppet strings of. Or if you want to play the other side of it, whereas it was like a mental thing, Mm -hmm. like a schizophrenia type Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they both heard voices. It was hereditary. He just heard a different type of voice than Ronnie did, or Butch. It's true. I mean, things like that. They are hereditary. They are so great movie, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Another theory is that Big Ron was sort of in on it. Like, remember I said that Big mm-hmm. Ron was in the bed face down and yeah. Louise was under the blankets, but Big Ron wasn't? Yeah. Okay, so to me, it sort of seems like Big Ron was out of bed when all this went down, and then he was either put in the bed after death, or maybe he was shot in the bed last. Oh, because he was out laying outside of the covers. Right, but Luis was under the blankets like she had Mm -hmm. been sleeping. So sort of going along with this, there was blood found on the door of the master bedroom, but okay. I was unable to find, like, whose blood it was or if that blood yeah. had ever been collected for evidence. If it were, it probably, I'm assuming, was somebody of the family. I mean, if there, if it were well, a different right. blood type or, you know, like, it, that would have been called out. So it had to have been somebody in the family. True. And they didn't really have, like, a lot of DNA stuff back mm-hmm. then. Or in crime scenes, I mean, we all know they were super tampered with. Oh, and yeah. Just... Yeah. It was a mess, so right. it was probably just cataloged as there was blood somewhere. Yeah. That's also a good point. So I was thinking so that the parents, they would have had to have been the ones that were killed first in right. my mind. Just because 
they would have definitely, I mean, the dad at least would have definitely have fought back. Right. And if he had started with the kids and the dad had heard the gunshot in his house, he would have gotten up. I feel like him being the older brother too, the other siblings, as soon as he shot the first gun, they would have woken up and he could have easily just gone to all of his other siblings and being, you know, he could have just been like, there's someone in the house, lay down, face down. I'll handle it. Don't worry. And then he could have just shot them. Totally. Which is uh, so creepy to feel. It's so creepy. I mean, we both have big brothers and it's like, could you imagine? I can't even, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. But it also, so if that's the case, it also kind of shows that he was somewhat remorseful for what he was doing because shooting somebody face on is, I've never shot anyone, but I would... Yeah, I would assume that shooting some if you're looking at somebody shooting them has got to be more emotional than if you have them turn around face down and then oh, shoot them in the back. I'm sure. And he shot them in their backs. He yeah. didn't shoot them in the head. He didn't shoot them in the face. Yeah. They were that's a really good point. Yeah. So my theory is that he probably went to the parents' room first and did it and then went to each of his siblings well that's pretty interesting because another theory is that butch's 18 year old sister dawn she was actually in on it whoa the second born okay so the working theory for this is Mm -hmm. that butch and dawn they wanted to kill their parents yeah and get some sort of inheritance money yeah but dawn then turned the gun on the rest of the siblings and butch being their older brother who loved them yeah he took her out to kind of stop her from what she was doing. Mm. I mean, after the fact, Butch, he probably didn't want to soil his sister's name, so he just took the blame for all the murders. Yeah. But that's a pretty big theory that's out there. That's, yeah, and that's um in the movie the the brother and the sister have like a really, I don't even want to say it. It's disgusting. It's a, their, their relationship's just kind of gross. Um but that doesn't make sense to me. That seems like he's, like, putting the blame on the sister. And, like, right. after she had already killed all of the siblings, he was like, no, 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 wait. And then, like, killed her and then didn't want to say anything. Unless there was something weird happening, which I don't mm. want to malign anyone. I don't <laughs> I don't want to say. Yeah, he's a murderer. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I feel like incest is, like, a whole other well, that's what they say in the movie. That's the whole movie thing. <sighs> right. Is the two of them had a thing. and But I did read, so I did re- also read that he, uh, Butch, had changed his story right, multiple which, times. That for he, sure. He had claimed it was Dawn that did it. Like you said, he claimed that it, or uh, there was Ron. Big Ron mm-hmm. did it. He also claimed that Dawn and the mom did it and that he had covered for them. I saw that too. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he was evaluated by a psychiatrist, and he was diagnosed with antisocial personality dis- disorder. And um, they actually came to the conclusion that he was aware of his actions. And I mean, demons and ghosts aside, mental health is a serious thing. And if you're hearing voices telling you to kill your family, you probably have an issue that should be treated medically, and not something that you can just blame on demons. Right. No. I mean, unless it was demons. It could have been. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. No one does. Do I think demons are real? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Sorry, but I do. I mean, obviously, like, schizophrenia is real. People yeah. hear voices in their head all the time. Yeah. There's probably many, many cases where it's not demons. Oh. I would probably say the majority, majority of cases. yeah. But... Maybe. It could. It. I mean. Sometimes. It could be. A person does not have schizophrenia. No. Or multiple personality disorder or whatever. Some sort of yeah. mental health issue. And there's a demon. And he's chilling. And he's like, hey, man. What are you doing Thursday? You want to kill your whole family? Because <laughs> I'm free. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The double shooter theory, though, it really, really holds up. Hmm. I mean, there were bullets from this rifle, and then there were actually also bullets from a handgun found at the scene, but Hmm. no one ever found a handgun. See, I never knew that there were two guns used, but that, to me, makes sense. It just, 
it doesn't make sense that one person could do all of that unless it were supernatural forces that like helped, but also countering that having an extra gun on yeah, you, right. especially hand like one that you could just take out. If you're planning that, it makes sense to plan and do that. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean, how did he killed six people? Yeah. In 15 minutes, yeah. according to the coroner. And I don't, I don't know how many bullets... I'm not a gun expert, so I don't know how many bullets are in either of these guns, but to have a backup, I feel like if you're planning to kill your family, having a backup is probably something that you're going to just have. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to kill your family in yeah. general, you probably have more than one gun. Right. Two hands, two just, guns. Just in case. Just in case. Oh. Plus, there was also a very large life insurance policy mm. that Big Ron had, mm. which would be the equivalent of like a million dollars today. Yep. And this seems like a likely reason to me that the children would want their very awful, very abusive father. Oh, yeah. Super dead. Totally. I mean, that's like a two birds, one stone situation. Right. And it, I, I mean... Every, all of the other, the only ones old enough to actually know what a life insurance policy were, were Don mm-hmm. and Butch. Right. So, but that, but Don also ended up dead. So mm, maybe Butch know. wanted it all for himself. I tried to look up if there was an insurance policy on Louise and there uh-huh. was like literally no information on the internet. So yeah. either there wasn't or... Yeah. For some reason, we just want to focus on big runs. Because, I mean, a million-dollar life insurance. Nope. That wasn't words. A million-dollar life insurance policy. Yeah. Sort of a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Especially, I mean, In back then. Seven, what is it? 74? Right. So. Tons. Okay. Well, now that we've discussed the situation that happened before now i want to get into the story that everybody knows and loves Mm. the story of the movie the amityville horror and Mm. it is the story of the lutz family the hollywood sweethearts the hollywood sweethearts the lutzes of the amityville horror yes so their experiences were actually documented in a book by jay anson and it was published in 1977 and that book was then turned around and turned into the classic horror movie franchise that we know and love in 1979. And it's basically just their story and everything in the book or in the movie is taken from the book. How many of these have you seen? I have seen the first three. I have seen the remake and I think I've seen another like crappy Later on with Bella Thorne, I'm pretty sure she was oh, in one of them. Yeah. Like the most recent one that they did. Yeah. But they did the remake with Ryan Reynolds. I've seen that. And then, so uh, five, I think. That's a lot. Out of 16, not that, not too much. Yeah, that's true. Your percentage is low. Yeah. I saw the very first one. Yeah. That's the best one. It's the best one. Mm. I kind of like half saw the second like the sequel to that Mm -hmm. like i very much was not paying attention yeah it's not that great and then i recently about three weeks ago watched the ryan reynolds one Mm -hmm. and i just want to say if you like ryan reynolds yeah shirtless who doesn't a little bit crazy highly recommend he's probably not wearing a shirt for what 85 percent of this entire movie solid 85 percent but he also like does a lot of other terrible things. So. Oh, for sure. But there's like this scene where he's like throwing an axe and I'm like... Yeah, he chops a lot of wood. Oh my God, there's so much wood So being much chopped. wood being chopped in that movie. It's like a main... I almost feel like their wood budget <laughs> was like through the fucking roof on this Half one. Half the budget of the movie was yeah. the wood. Yeah. Like they couldn't afford shirts for Ryan, <laughs> but they could afford chopping wood. Oh, all of the money went to the chopping wood. They couldn't give him shirts. The accountants for that movie were probably so upset. <laughs> okay, so back to the real story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ryan Reynolds is not the father in this real story. But no, no. No. So on December 19th, which is three days after my birthday. Happy birthday shout out, to you. 
1975, so this is just 13 months after the DeFeo murders. George and Kathy Lutz, their three children, Daniel, who is nine, Christopher, who is seven, and Missy, or Melissa, who is five, all all of the kids were from Kathy's previous marriage, and also their dog named Harry. So they move in to the house on 112 Ocean Avenue. Yes, and I just want to point out here. So all of these children are Kathy's kids. Yes. None of them are George's. Yeah. But from everything that I had seen, and sort of actually in the movies too, mm-hmm. they paint George as like a super good father. Yeah. Like a great stepdad. Like some of the right. kids call him dad. Yeah. Like he is so there for them mm-hmm. in the way you want a stepfather to be. Yeah, he's 100% their dad. Like, Right. I don't think necessarily... I mean, blood obviously makes somebody your dad but i think more so how they act towards you makes them your dad right so he was more so their father than their actual biological blood father so george and kathy bought the house on 112 ocean avenue for what was considered a huge bargain price of eighty-eight thousand dollars, and this is in 1975 okay so 1975 and was looking this up right now so this is worth $407,000. Okay. If we in today's money. Mm-hmm. If we remember the DeFeos bought this house for almost $700,000. Yeah. So it was like a $250,000 difference. That's a big difference. Well, there were quite a few murders in <laughs> That's true. That's so, true. More so about the house. So the house was Dutch colonial style. It had a gambrel roof. If you've seen the movie, the actual house is almost identical to the one that's portrayed. It even has like the cool eye windows. Oh my god, so that, cool. Yeah, but sadly those windows were replaced by like lame ass square ones um from a previous owner or the next owner. The eye ones, like the little like so quarter cool. circle. Yeah. They look so cool. Funny story, there's a house in the neighborhood that I grew up in. It's not, it's like on the side of their house, but it's an Amityville window. Really? Yeah, it's got like the little like, you know, like how it's like straight on one side and then it like yeah. goes, yeah. Whoa. It, we called it like the Amityville house. Oh, so like but it wasn't. Little, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we all did. But I actually looked to see if it was the exact house in the movie just because they were so similar. Right. And I found out that they filmed at a private residence in New Jersey and that they had actually just converted it to look like the house because, yeah, authorities denied them permission to film at the actual house. Yeah. I wonder, okay, was it a private residence? I wonder if they left the house looking like that. I hope that they did. That's very fun. I would design my house to look like that. Oh, right. It's so cool. It's a very beautiful house. Yeah, it's basically my dream house. I mean, it had a swimming pool there was it was located on a canal so it's located on the water right dream it had a boathouse five bedrooms three five baths just saying i would live there <laughs> hands down any day of the week even though six people were murdered yeah. in cold blood yes oh god yes Dude. more even more so that people were killed in the house okay listeners here's the thing <laughs> Nicole is very not afraid of ghosts. I'm not. And I am extremely mm. afraid of ghosts. Yeah. And my house is haunted. My and as you sad. know, we are recording right now <laughs> in my attic, which is fucking haunted. Mm. And that's all I want to say is that Nicole likes haunted houses. Yeah, I do. And I always end up living in one and it's so spooky. And I've never like lived it. in one. I would prefer to live in one, but I sadly have never. <laughs> you don't want it. <sighs> All right, keep going. Whatever. I mean, I agree. The house is very beautiful, and it's very old. And honestly, I yeah. would live there, too. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Did you did you know, mm. fun fact here, mm. that they changed the address from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue? Yeah. Like, people wouldn't even know, yeah. even though it looks identical. Even though everyone knows, and you can just Google what the new address is, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So during their inspection, the real estate broker did disclose what had happened to the DeFeo family in the home, but George and Kathy had just decided that it wasn't a problem and that it was just too good of a deal to pass up. It's a good deal. 
It's a very good deal. Even tacking on to that good deal, all of the DeFeo's furniture was left in the house. And it was actually offered to the Lutz family to be to buy for a cheap price of four hundred dollars. Um, the table we're sitting at costs four hundred dollars. Well, all of the DeFeo family furniture was four hundred dollars to buy. That is insane. Did we? Do we know if the beds that they were killed um, in? Okay, so. The Lutzes were obviously were like, hell yeah, we're buying all that furniture. I couldn't find the exact answer. There were many sites that said the frames were left. Okay, so the, the bed mattresses. Frames. I mean, I don't see anyone using like, right? Just doesn't make sense. So the frames were left. I don't know if all of the frames were left. Maybe some were left. Right. Some were taken. The mattresses were removed. Okay. So that's let's, the part that counts. Right. Okay. So let's assume the mattresses that were totally soaked in blood because mm. a billion people died in them, mm-hmm. they were removed, thrown out. But yes. the bed frames, which are super probably haunted. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Um, They were left. Yeah. So all this furniture from the murdered DeFeo family. Yeah. Well, one survivor, he's in prison forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So that's all there, and the Lutzes mm-hmm. bought it. So they bought all this haunted furniture, and now they're living in a house that they know people yeah. were murdered in. So not only are they moving into a house where they know that the entire family was just brutally murdered in, they're also using the furniture that this family had. So, I, I mean, and we could also get into the fact that some, like, haunted possessions mm-hmm. and stuff... So that also kind of filters into all of this. Yeah. My mom and I were just talking about ghosts last night because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, and she was saying to me that she knows that ghosts can haunt, like, yeah. not just buildings that, like, like you don't have to mm-hmm. die in nope. a building to haunt it. No. Nope. You could, like, your spirit could cling onto a person and yeah. travel with them. It could be an object. An object. Yeah. It can be anything. It liter- Yeah, it can. Especially if it was something that you used day to day. Yeah. And it was something that in your actual physical living life that you liked and you, you loved, you as a ghost could definitely connect and attach to that. Let me ask you something. Yeah. To be honest. Uh-huh. Completely honest. Right. I know you're like a little ghosty girl. Okay. <laughs> yes. Would you... Uh-huh be able to take all of the furniture that you know people were murdered in uh-huh. and keep it in your house yes oh god well i think with the thing with the lutzes is that they just didn't believe in it oh yeah that actually makes a lot of sense because if you don't believe in it it can't yeah hurt you and i you know? believe in it but i would still do it um i don't know if i could sleep in the same bed someone was murdered well it's the frame it's not the bed let's Uh, get that yeah i don't think i could sleep in the same bed frame someone was murdered in it would be pretty creepy but i don't know i'm i'm here for the creeps i know here for the creeps it's so scary so it's actually funny that you're we're just talked about that because when they moved in a friend knowing the history of everything suggested that they call in a priest to have the house blessed and um this priest we're just going to refer to him as father mancuso for privacy reasons even though wikipedia just straight up called out this dude's name i saw that honestly so rude yeah i don't know if he's i think he might be dead now maybe that's why i'm hoping that's why but But still still still. so we're just gonna say father mancuso so when father mancuso was going through each room with holy water he claims that he had heard a loud masculine voice say get out but he didn't mention it to the lutzes instead he called them a week later and he told them to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the voice and this is a room that kathy had planned on using as a sewing room but uh, his call was actually disrupted by static and he was cut off as oh he was God. saying this. Yeah, it's very creepy. So he also claimed that he had felt a slap 
on his face as he was blessing this this one the sewing room really mm-hmm. this is oh that's fucked up man mm-hmm. i mean okay he heard a demon that was like get out and he exactly. was just like oh you know what let me just pull up my palm pilot here let me just put it on next week yep tuesday 2 p.m i will call the lutzes i will let them know that their house is super fucking haunted i'll tell them yeah put it in there okay great all right we'll see you guys ow <laughs> okay see you later okay bye ghosts okay bye. like i just like slapped myself for that sound effect and it kind of hurt <laughs> that was a good sound effect i hope everyone can hear it was real <laughs> i just hit myself that's really kind of messed up though yeah. I feel like it's his duty as like a priest or whatever right. to say, hey, while I was walking through your house, I got slapped by a ghost. Well, yeah. So he, I mean, he he tells them, but he doesn't actually like really, you know, like be like, you need to get the fuck out. So, and I think Ugh. it's important to point out that he never, like he never wanted, he didn't want his name used. He gave right. interviews and he didn't show his face. So right. credibility is like that he actually had experienced that. That's true. I don't know. Unless you want to get famous from it, but who knows? People people don't. We've talked about this before. People don't want to get famous <laughs> from ghost stories. Some people and do. like uh, I mean, Anyways. We, Zach Bagans. Let's go. Yeah. Anyways, so... Father Mancuso, he also reported that once he had left the house, he had experienced blisters on his hands. Oh, my God. Kind of similar to stigmata. And he had come down with a high fever. So after he's in this house, he gets super, super, super sick. Those of you that don't know, stigmata is like when Jesus was supposedly crucified. Like the holes yeah, in the middle like of his palms and religious. his feet. Mm-hmm that stigmata like the holes that the nails would have formed yeah so that's he finds that on his hands in the form of blisters on each of his hands which is how does that happen very weird so weird and he comes down with a a fever now i want to get into some of the things that specifically the lutzes had experienced the good stuff the good stuff so george lutz would wake up every morning at 3 15 a.m and this is said to be the time or around the time that Ronald, a.k.a. Butch DeFeo, is said to have committed the murders. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about 3 a.m. really quick. Mm. So in sort of my research, I found that the time between 3 and 4 a.m. is called the devil's hour. Yeah. Or I'm sure you've heard the witching hour witching before. Hour, yeah. Right. So supposedly, this is the time that Jesus was actually killed, and it's considered to be the peak of all supernatural activity, mm-hmm. especially because there's a lack of prayer around like the Catholic world mm-hmm. at this time. Then also, another little fun fact is that here in America, if women were found back in the day, mm-hmm. like walking around outside between 3 and 4 a.m., <laughs> they were assumed to be witches, and they were pretty much executed, like, on the spot. No oh, questions asked. Of course they were. Right. Ugh. So this is, like, the witching hour. This is the same time that Butch DeFeo, who committed all those murders, mm-hmm. is killing people. Yeah. And George is waking up mm. almost every night. Yeah. Through 15 a.m. Super creepy. Also, the youngest, Missy, she started talking to an imaginary friend named Jody who appeared to her in many forms, sometimes an angel, sometimes a pig. It's also depicted in the movie, if you've seen the movie. Yeah. Super creepy. I tried to look up who Jody was. I didn't find a Jody living in that house. No. I don't think there was a Jody in the house. It was just this... Right. The being or whoever had come to her just named, gave her the name Jody. Very weird. Yeah. Kathy Lutz claimed to have levitated above her bed. The Ooh. house was full of cold spots. Um, George was always by the fire because it was cold. And actually that also, that little snippet is part of the reason why Ryan Reynolds is chopping so much wood. Yeah, for fire. <laughs> in, the, in the remake. Because, I mean, Hollywood takes and turns things. but And George, shows Ryan Reynolds abs. Yeah. So George was always cold. He was always by the fire. And... Hollywood translated that to Ryan Reynolds chopping wood without a shirt. 
I don't mind. Not mad about it. So they also had a lion statue that was apparently possessed. Ooh. Yeah, so they would see it move out of the corner of their eyes. It would move from room to room with no one admitting to have moving it. Like, they would ask the kids. The kids would be like, we didn't touch it. I've actually read the Amityville Horror book. Really? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But in the book, George, it says that the lion statue bites George in the ankle. Oh. But the real George Lutz actually admits that it had never attacked him like that. It was he had just tripped over it because oh. it was in a spot that he hadn't left it. So he okay. got hurt. It hurt him, but it didn't bite him in the Quote ankle like the book bit him, says. Though. Okay. Yeah. What else is creepy? There was a red room or <laughs> just a red room in general. Yeah, well or more so like a closet. It was underneath the basement stairs. The family dog Harry was afraid of it. He Ooh. wouldn't go by it. Which to me is like there there's some shit happening there. Yeah. If your dog is scared, yeah. it's real. Animals can sense stuff. Like in the movie, Daniel Lutz, the oldest child, his hand was smashed by a window. In the movie, it's Jody. Yeah. He's teasing uh, Missy out the window and the window comes down. But that actually did happen. Oh, really? Yeah. The front door mysteriously was just blown open at times in the house. A pig face entity, which goes hand in hand with the Jody thing, right. was seen peering out of their window also. Well, I just want to bring up that pigs are like a satanic symbol. Like mm-hmm. the whole like cloven hoof thing. And they're said to be unclean in the Bible, mm-hmm. which is basically why pigs or pig heads are shown in like a lot of hauntings or like satanic yeah. stuff or creepy type stuff. So that to me is interesting. The pig symbolism yeah, shows up here. Yeah, they saw a pig head. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely weird. Um, another thing that would happen is that hordes of flies would appear only in two rooms, no matter how many times that they had killed them, these flies would reappear. And it's important to mention that it was wintertime. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Flies are gross. If your house is infested in flies in the winter, it's Mm -hmm. not just because you're an unclean person. I will say when I, when we first moved into the house that I'm living into now, I moved in about four years ago. When we first moved in, there were like it, it was an infestation of flies, and my mind immediately really? went to Amityville. Yeah, it would, <laughs> right? But I mean, to Fl- go flies are hauntings. Well, yeah, and you can't. Re- I mean, I I didn't know the like sanitaryness <laughs> of the previous owners. You know, yeah, like that's how. True. The, I mean, we don't have flies anymore, so it's definitely not haunted. But I for a second was like our. Our house is haunted. Oh my god! And she yes. was into it, you guys. I'm so she was into I'm it. So excited, like a freak. Um, <laughs> shadow people were claimed to have been seen by the children. This is so fun to me. I love shadow people. Yeah, and by love, I mean I'm terrified of shadow people. Mm-hmm. We we have to do a whole episode on this because there's just so much yeah. to get into. I've never experienced that, but <sighs> we'll talk about my experiences. Oh, okay. All right. Um, A gelatin-like slime was said to have appeared and reappeared on the walls. Um, Are you familiar with ectoplasm? Yes. Like from... Poltergeist. It's in Poltergeist. Yes, Poltergeist. And then what's Slimer? What movie is that from? Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. I can't believe it is from (laughs) Ghostbusters. Terrible. My older brother would kill me. Okay, so ectoplasm. Yeah. It's sort of like this jelly-like slime-ish yeah. that emits from like a medium or like if you're communing with spirits, yeah. like if spirits are around, there's going to be ectoplasm and it usually shows up as like a jelly, gelatin yeah. type slime. So that's sort of fun. It's like a physical manifestation yeah. and it's of a actually supernatural force. Also in the Don Decker. Yes. That like a gooey I type remember. of substance was There was slime too. coming everywhere. <laughs> Super. <laughs> coming everywhere, yes. Oh, throwback. Throwback. So the porcelain in their toilet bowls all 
had developed a black-like slime and the same substance. So it wasn't from the water. They said the water was clear. It just like had formed on the porcelain. Gross. But the same substance was found to be oozing from the keyholes in their house as well. (gasps) Okay. Unexplainable. Yeah. So super weird. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. Knives were being thrown off of counters. Oh, my God. Foul odors just everywhere around the house. A lot of hauntings are described as having foul odors. Yeah. Like sort of an odor of like a rotting corpse, Mm -hmm. if you will. And sulfur, I've read, totally means a demon. But I've also seen the scent of lilacs, you know, like a lilac bush. Yeah. So that's supposed to mean that the dead are among you. Not necessarily evil, just that there are like spirits of deceased people near Hmm. you. And this comes from the tradition of planting lilac trees near cemeteries, which is supposed to hide like the smell of decomposition Mm. before they had all of our modern techniques. Yeah. Lilacs are super pugnant and smelly. So pugnant is my new favorite word. (laughs) Thank you. A pugnant lilac. Pugnant lilac. Uh, loud banging sounds and um, they describe it in the book as almost like a marching band going through the house that would honestly just be annoying yeah and weird like why a marching band I didn't understand that however by mid-January the Lutzes had they had just had enough so they decided to try another blessing of the house and in this night that they decided to do the blessing, this would be their last night in the house. So, yeah, on January 14th, 28 days after moving into the home, the Lutzes had finally decided they'd have enough. They had had enough. They packed up their things, and they go to stay with Kathy's mom. Okay. After this blessing. So they never, have never disclosed what happened that night. The only thing that they have ever come out and that they've said is that the events that happened were too frightening to say. Wow. Yeah. So after that night, they the Lutzes never stepped foot back in the house um, to get their belongings. They actually hired somebody to go back and get their things for them. Okay. Well, I mean, mostly the, the DeFeo's belongings, but I guess mm. they bought them. They, so. For $400. It's technically uh, theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like. Movers came and they took all their stuff out. Right. Okay. So the Lutzes then submitted a 45-hour tape recorded session to the author, Jay Anson, of who created the Amityville Horror book. They also appeared on Good Morning America right around the time when the movie was coming out. So it was 1979. Um, and they are on the show with... James Brolin, uh, who plays George Lutz in the film. And okay. I watched it online. Is it Josh Brolin's dad? It is. He's so cute. He is so cute. His dad's <laughs> like a 70s cute. Too. Oh, he's a beefcake. Yeah, he's totally hot. Yeah, everyone that plays George Lutz in a movie is a beefcake. Yeah. Period. And, I mean, the real George Lutz isn't... I mean, he's definitely not a beefcake. He's no. not bad looking. No, no, no. He's no Ryan Reynolds he's like or 70s James. Yeah, James Rowland. But Love a man in some bell bottoms. Just gonna put that out there. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see it happen again. Wouldn't mind. Wouldn't be mad. So the Lutzes did receive a portion of the royalties from the book and the movies. However, it was never a lot of money, and they were never rich from it. So. Just pointing that out. They never got rich right. from their story. Which we see a lot in ghost stories. Like, yeah. you get told. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, the following owners of the house were the Cromartys. And they lived in the house from 1977 to 1987. So, they're there for 10 years. Right. They had bought it for even less than the Lutzes. They had bought it for $55,000. That is insanely inexpensive. Yeah. Okay. So $55,000 in 1977. Are you ready for this? Yeah. $243,000. Wow. For a five bedroom, three and a half bath home. Waterfront property with a boathouse. Oh my God. In a haunted basement. It's the dream. 
That is my dream. That's the only way I'm going to get the house of my dreams on the water that I can afford is if somebody was brutally murdered in it. We'll make that happen for you. Just throwing it out there. We'll make that happen. So the Cromartys claimed that they had never experienced anything weird. Really? They only ever experienced people coming to the house because of the book and the movie and I think it's important also to point out that the Lutzes lost a shit ton of money on this house. Right. I mean, oh my God. So for what they lost in selling the house, they probably made up from the book and the movie. But mm-hmm. so they like broke even, I would say, in a sense. So George and Kathy, sad story. They actually divorced in the 1980s. And in 2004, Kathy died. And then in 2006, just two years later... George died, but over the years since the haunting, they always maintained that they had experienced paranormal activity in the house. Initially, the Lutzes, they weren't really open to talking about anything. They um, they sent their story to the author, but they weren't really comfortable with answering questions or doing interviews. Like I said, the only interview that I actually found of them online was the one with them with James Brolin. Yeah. To try to like promote the, or they were like talking about the movie. Right. Which I'm sure they probably got paid to do that. I wonder if they regretted it though. Well, you know? they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. They haven't. The two of them after it happened, they didn't do many interviews. Yeah. They were probably like, I'm just guessing here. Yeah. They were probably like bullied into it almost. Totally. Or they were given, we're going to pay you this much to go on Good Morning America right. to talk and promote with James Brolin, who was a huge actor at the time. Oh, yeah. And they, yeah, either they needed it. Yeah. Or I don't know. It just doesn't seem like on the up and up to me. Oh, you know? Yeah, for sure. So over the years, George kind of warmed up a little bit and he talked more about what had happened. And he actually came out and he admitted that certain facts from the books or from the book had been embellished. And like the thing with the lion where it didn't bite him, but he tripped over it and it did hurt him, but it wasn't a bite that hurt him. Right. So this led people to start to think that he was just kind of lying and just kind of full of it because he came out and he was like, well, yeah, it's true, but it's not that true. Yeah. Which isn't his fault. It almost makes me believe him more that he sort of admitted like it's not a hundred percent true and Honestly, when when I tell a story, exactly, I like to it turns into a little bit of a tall tale. Yeah, it's like game of telephone. Oh, a hundred percent. Somebody says it to you, and then you say it to someone, and it gets all you know. I love telephone. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of helped. That like made people think that he was just like making it all up. However, the children, Danny and Christopher, who, if you remember, were nine and seven at the time. Right. They had they back up their dad to this day they still say what they had experienced in that house during that time was real missy who was five at the time she's never spoken about spoken about the events but she was five right very young i don't remember anything from when i'm five no me neither yeah definitely not okay so this, we're running a little long. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. yes, we are making this into a two-parter. So mm-hmm. we went over the DeFeos. We went over the Lutzes. Next week, we're going to go on to the controversies, the criticisms, sort of what we think, pop culture, and then maybe some little like fun facts about yeah, this. For sure. Yes. So tune in next week. We will do this. Let's, I feel like maybe we shouldn't do listener mail this week just because it's a two-parter. Yeah, we'll do, let's, let's do listener mail next week. Okay. Okay, perfect. To cap it all off. Okay, great. So then we will see you guys next week for part two of the Amityville series. Yes. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange and keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.